Jesus, I ask that uh, you just touch each one that is uh, hurting in their bodies, uh, dealing with various sicknesses and imbalances. And, and, and Lord, I know that you could do things in a way that we couldn't even think of or ask. And I ask, Lord, that uh, throughout this year we will put you first and that we will find ways to um, grow closer to you and to share you and your love with others, that we will experience your love in our lives, and that will just radiate from us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, John chapter 1, I'm reading from the New International Version, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Uh, through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Or in uh, some versions it might say the darkness has not overcome it. Um, I don't know uh, well, how many different versions you have out there. I think it's mostly NIV and King James that we got. Uh, does anybody have something different than um, oh, darkness has not understood it? Comprehend. Comprehend, Comprehend. yeah. Talk. Yep. yep. Yeah, has not overcome it. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Greek there can be translated either way, and originally they thought, well, it's kind of more like darkness not overcoming it. Um, but um, the the sentence structure and stuff, there's a lot that they believe that it's that it's not um, comprehending it, that it's not understanding it, that it's not receiving it, um, that type of thing. Different translations are, are looking at it from a different way. Either way, um, is accurate. As far as darkness does not overcome the light. As a matter of fact, the darker it is, the less light you need to be able to see. If you have an extremely dark room, you light a candle and it's going to light up stuff. I light a candle in this room with all the light. You're not going to really see anything from the candle. So, yeah, darkness doesn't overcome. And then uh, darkness not understanding. And that's one of the things where, you know, in the scripture you read things like, um, he was in the world, but the world received him not, um, things like that. But going back to the beginning again, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into this, um, the Word. And we, and we know that this section here and what John's talking, he's talking about Jesus and Jesus being the Word of God. Word is capitalized, should be capitalized in your uh, Bible because it's a, it's a proper name for Jesus. It's who he is, not just what he is, but who he is. He is the Word made flesh. He is uh, the Word among us. And when you go back to the beginning and you read creation, uh, you know, one of the things that we see in creation is it begins with uh, the earth and creation being void and formless and there's darkness over the face of the deep and the Holy Spirit's hovering over the waters and and you see this, this emptiness and this kind of a chaos maybe or a, a formlessness that's there. And, and the way that I've described it, you know, because we talk about, you know, how, how did God create everything? He spoke it. Okay. Spoke it, right? And yet, one of the first words that we read, God said in the Old Testament. Who knows what the first thing you'll read when you're talking about God speaking in the Old Testament. God said, let there be light, right? But before there was light, there was creation that was formless and void. And it's like, if it's God's word, and it says here that it's God's word, that it was by him and for him, all things were created. It was by the word that it was created. Why is this formless kind of void or and, and uh, creation that doesn't have this form, why is that there before we read, God said, let there be light? And the way I've uh, always uh, described it and the way I understand it, 
um, and look at it when, when I'm reading it is this way. When you speak, you have to push out air to be able to, to make the vibrations. Um, and when you are pushing out that air, there's something that goes out besides just the vibrations of your voice. There is moisture that goes out of you. As a matter of fact, if you're alive, there's moisture coming out of you. That's why if someone is laying there and they can't tell if they're breathing or not, they'll put like a glass or a mirror in front of their face and they, it'll steam up the mirror because of that moisture coming out. And that's the way I picture it with God. As God is beginning to speak, here's this air that's beginning to move out and this moisture, and it's the beginning of creation, and it's formless, um, it's void, it's dark, it, it just hasn't begun yet. The Word's starting to move forward, but the, that vibration hasn't quite gotten there yet. And then we read, God said, let there be light. And what's interesting is in the Hebrew, that words that are there, that original word um, in the Hebrew is the same word that we'll find when Moses is on the mount with the burning bush. And Moses asks God, he says, you know, well, who do I say sent me? And, you know, because they don't know the name of God. They know, they just, they don't understand his name. They know Abraham had a God, but they never got his name. And he's like, what's your name? And he says, I am that I am. And that's that same word, I am. And then uh, as the, the word is made manifest and as the word grows in life, the, the way I understand it and the way I like to look at it is this way. From creation, from the very beginning of creation, that formless thing that was there, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to um, all the prophets and the judges and the kings and David and Daniel and all those different ones, all the way up until John the Baptist, is, all, is like God just introducing himself, saying, I am. Uh, and just giving people an opportunity to start to get to know him, start to understand him, start to to see who he is and then finally when the fullness of time came and the time was right Jesus comes on the scene as the word made flesh and he says I am and here I am now now you can see me now you can uh, interact with me now you can touch me and, and it's really an interesting study if you ever want to look at all the different times that Jesus talks about who he is because uh, you know there's times he was arguing with the Jews or they were arguing with him and he would say before Abraham was I am. You know, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. So many different times that we see I am, and it's because it's God manifest, um, God with us. And so uh, you have this, this void, this formless thing that begins, this creation as it's starting, and then as God comes in and you start to hear his voice, it gives shape to creation. Uh, and one of the, the neat things about creation, too, is the way God made the earth in a way that it could produce life because what does he do he goes and he speaks to the earth and he says bring forth life and plants start to come up you know amazing you know he speaks to the water and fish start to come and uh, he put life uh, in these things and of course that life began with light again with john um his life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and then here Jesus comes, and one of the things they had a problem with Jesus, the Word of God, they, they had a problem with Jesus. I, I was thinking about one of the songs we were singing about, you know, uh, His righteousness revealed was one of the lines of the song. Here's God's righteousness revealed. Well, the problem that the Jews had with Jesus was He didn't look like righteousness to them. He didn't look like purity to them. He didn't look like God to them because they 
didn't understand God. They never got the full grasp of who God was. They didn't really realize him for, for who he was. And so when they looked at him, they said, that's not God. Look at what he's doing. He's hanging out with tax collectors. He's, he's got prostitutes around him. He's got people that, that were demon-possessed. And yeah, he cast out the demons, but that's probably by the power of the devil that he cast out those demons. You know, he, he's, he's drinking with these people. He's eating with these people. He's fellowshipping with these people. That can't be God. Because if he was God, he would be hanging out in my house. If he was God, he would be talking to me because I got all this righteousness. And, and uh, that's the way the leaders looked at it. They were just like, we're righteous. We're the ones that know the way to do it. We're the ones that, that, that are good and pure. He did things like touching a dead body. Can you imagine? how unclean you become when you touch a dead body all the rituals you had to go through and the washings and the cleansings and the times he touched lepers you don't touch leopards leopards would walk down the street saying i'm unclean i'm unclean so you can make a wide path for them and stay away from them they didn't get close they weren't in the middle of crowds you know because if you touched them man you were unclean and you had to go through all this ritual and washing and all this different thing and you might just get leprosy jesus would touch them he would hang out with them he would spend time with, with these kind of people and it just it didn't make sense to them when they brought him a prostitute caught in the act he forgave her i mean that, that can't be god it's his word that says you got a stoner why is he going against the word but he was the word of god he was the righteousness of god he was the reality of god he was god made flesh and oftentimes that's a problem that we have in our lives because we have our idea of what god should look like we have our idea of how god should act we have our idea of the nature and the the function of God and the desires of God and the will of God and all these ideas and we're not willing to just listen to God look to his word understand from him and receive from him and accept him as he really is and not just put him in our own little box you know is the way people like to say it put him in our own little ideas and our own little thing and say this is only this way if God only does it like that then it's God but anything other than this way that I understand it and this way that I look at it, then, well, then it's not God. Big mistake, because God can do whatever he wants to do. And God is amazing, but he's revealed himself in his word. He revealed himself in Jesus Christ. And we can know him by looking at Jesus' life and understand him through the written word that we have. And it's, it's pretty cool. And so here we have the, the beginning, we have uh, the Word of God, and we have the fact that everything is created by Him, and the, and the way I see it, and the way I understand it, and, and it's so cool when you look at uh, quantum physics and, and these types of things, and they, and they look at stuff that there's like a particle that can be a wave, and it can be uh, both, you know, light is, it, that was one of the things that for years, they, different ones would talk about, is light a wave or a particle, and they say, oh, it's both. Well, how can something be both? And it's like, how could something be just uh, a wave, and it can also be something that's solid, uh, is the question. And the reality is, is that everything is a wave because it's all the voice of God. It's the vibrations of God's voice that makes everything. It's the vibrations of God's voice that holds everything together. And so at the very core of every atom, every molecule, every uh, and any energy that exists, anything that's there, at the very core is a vibration that, that is that wave of God's voice. But then his voice makes things solid. He can speak to things that are not 
as if they are. But when God speaks, he can make things to, to, to come into being. Can you imagine? We don't know. We, we have no way of making any kind of matter. We can change the form of matter, but we can't make it. But God's voice made it in the beginning. God's word made it. And when he made it and he said, I am, and boom, here is what we have. It's here and it's existed and it's solid and it stays because God's word is firm and God's word cannot be taken away. God's word will never end. Heaven and earth will pass away. But his word remains forever. And it's his word that holds it all together. It's really cool. Um, you know, the, for years, um, the sciences and the church were at odds because, you know, they were like, oh, you know, these, these people, I mean, they, they would take um, uh, leading scientists and individuals that were investigating things in nature. And, and the church would even persecute them and kill them at times because they were like, oh, this is just, oh, you're going against God's ideas. You know, uh, what do you mean saying the earth's not? flat or all these different crazy things but when you really get into the sciences and you study you find out more and more it confirms all the things that we find in scripture it confirms all the things that are in the word because it's true it's right uh, and it's uh, accurate um, and it, the only time that there's going to be uh, conflict in there is because there's some understanding that's wrong understanding the word wrong or understanding what the scientists are showing wrong but when you when you actually see them in the right reality you'll find that they line up perfectly it's it's quite amazing um and so he goes on uh here um in verse i'm going to go down to um well the, the fact of light is also pretty cool um not something i'm going to dwell on a lot but it, it's powerful because you think about what, what are um, a couple of things a few there's only a few things you really need to create something that will give us life like food um, you know, you take a seed, you put it in the ground, you give it some water and light, and that water and light in the ground is going to produce food. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, now, you can also do it with, you know, hydroponics and stuff, as long as you get the right minerals and the, the fertilizer in there, but that's the right dirt, basically. So you got earth that's there, the seed, water, and then light gives it life and it's amazing how much life there is uh how much power there is in light you know if if we could just capture a few seconds of the light from the sun <laughs> we could power whatever we needed to power uh if we could actually capture all that power that's being released uh amazing amazing things uh so we go through in uh, uh verse four is where i want to look at there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was come into the world. And so here John goes back to John the Baptist. And the reason he does this is because when John writes this um, track, this gospel, uh, it's not an epistle, but it's a, a gospel. You, you, ever, you ever see what tracks are? Any, anybody ever know? You know, there's like chick tracks and there's different tracks that are done. Anybody familiar with tracks? I know we are. Anybody else? Today, what a track is, it'll be like a little, maybe like a two-page thing or something, just a little thing. And it's something that you can give to someone that'll give a brief little gospel message a little you know understanding of what 
salvation is, uh, you know, the steps of salvation. Uh, pre- pretty brief, um, usually just a little folded pa- page type of thing. Well, originally what a tract was was like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That was what a tract was. This is something they're writing so that people can understand who Jesus is and be able to accept him as their Savior. When John's writing, he's writing primarily to a Jewish audience, it would appear by the way way he writes it. And so one of the things he's going to do is he's going to go back to John the Baptist because uh, his readers that knew of John the Baptist, they accepted John the Baptist as a prophet. The people did. The leaders didn't. Remember when Jesus is, con- or the leaders are trying to trick Jesus and they're saying, by what authority do you do these things? And he says, well, I'll ask you, whose authority did John have? And they're like, oh, if we say of God, the people are going to say, why don't you believe him? Uh, if we say of men, the people will stone us because they consider him prophet. So a lot of people, the general masses, considered John the Baptist a prophet. So as he goes back to John the Baptist to let him know that John was pointing him to Jesus, they've already accepted John now he's saying, okay, let's go ahead and accept who John was talking about. This is the one that John was pointing you to. Maybe you remember, John said, um, there is one that comes after me that is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not even willing to untie. And so he's trying to get, get into that culture and understanding. And those that have had this step of faith in accepting John as a prophet say, but there's someone coming after him. Oh, it was Jesus. You need to accept him as the Messiah, as the one to come. Uh, and so that's part of the reason why he's laying this out. Interesting when, uh, uh, going back to, uh, I was thinking about it with the song, you know, talking about the righteousness of God and, and some of that, that uh, when the leaders looked at John the Baptist and they looked at Jesus, they looked at two different lifestyles and they rejected both of them as being God. Uh, Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet that had ever lived. Uh, No one had been greater than John the Baptist. Uh, He was just the greatest. And so John the Baptist came and he ate locusts and wild honey. He lived in the desert. He lived a very chaste life, a very holy life, Um, you know, very separate life. Uh, That's definitely an idea that we'd have or they would have of righteousness or holiness is separation. That's why you would separate yourself from a dead body. You wouldn't touch it like Jesus did. You would separate yourself from prostitutes and tax collectors. That's why Jesus would hang them. You know, John the Baptist was very separated. But of John the Baptist, they said he didn't come eating or drinking. And they said he has a demon. You know, he's out in the desert because he's demon-possessed. John the Baptist, that's what the leader said of, Jesus, of, of John the Baptist. Jesus comes, he's eating and he's drinking and, he, and he's hanging out with these people. And they said he's a glutton and a wine-bibber. He's a drunkard, you know. And it's like either lifestyle, either extreme, they're like, nope, that's not God. Why? Because God's going to look like me. God's going to talk like me. God's going to act like me. God's going to eat like me. God's going to drink like me. God's going to be like me. He's going to have a house like mine. He's going to... And how easy it is for us as human beings to do that with God. Uh, Every culture, every people around the world, how easy it is for us to take God and have him look like us. I mean, look at look at the Europeans when they started getting into the Renaissance period and they started doing, you know, pictures of Jesus and paintings and all that kind of stuff. And what did they do? They made him look like this European, you know, <laughs> it's not what he looked like. He was Jewish. He looked Jewish. Um, and, and that's the, the pitfall and the thing that we can easily fall into is only accepting God if he fits the way we say God needs to fit. 
We need to go to the Word of God and we need to go to the life of Jesus and look at it and accept Him for who He was. Uh, accept Him for what He showed us. And so here we have John the Baptist, this great prophet, showing us the way uh, and uh, letting us know that the light has come, uh, the light that gives life, that it's come into the world, um, and that it is the one that is going to reveal uh, men's lives going to reveal where we're at there is nothing that we say or do uh, that is hidden from God every thought every attitude of the heart everything is going to be revealed and that's why we need the righteousness of Jesus in our lives that's why we need his blood to cleanse us that's why we need to accept that uh, by faith because if we have to stand before God with everything in our life being revealed anybody anybody want everything in your thought life to be revealed on the screen right now Anybody? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> all the thoughts, all the ideas, all the attitudes, all the uh, things that we do. And the words uh, that we say, uh, how about that? If there was a recorder that went around and recorded all the words we say. Uh, and not only the words we say, but the words we think. It, words are so powerful. God coming as the Word, Jesus coming as the Word of God, uh, is is something that's amazing. Because we think of the power of the Word, that it created all things, that it holds all things together. Our words are very powerful. Uh, not just the things that we say, but the things that we think. Uh, and not just the things that we say and think, but the way we receive the things other people say and think. We can uh, recreate people's lives. We can recreate uh, people's uh, understanding, our understanding of what people are doing by changing words around. And sometimes it's just changing the way they say it. I mean, ever uh, nowadays in modern words, it's written words. And so you get a text and you look at it and you go, oh, why did they say that? And then you find out, well, that's not, they didn't mean something bad or anything or they meant something good, but you read it wrong. Um, the way it's worded sounds, it's really tricky with text now because sometimes you're trying to say something or trying to be funny or something and it's received as being rude or something. Then you got to apologize, then you got to go back and then you go, why, you know, and, and and it's amazing how easy it can be for us to also recreate what somebody else says, uh, recreate what somebody else does, uh, have all these different ideas, and we let all these words just uh, affect us. You know, they say, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. I bet you everybody here has been hurt by words at times. Uh, it's usually going to be by someone that's close to you and someone that you care about, but it can be very easy to say things that hurt someone else. Uh, it can be very easy to hear things that hurts you. Uh, and we need to find a way to get control of that and bring everything, every thought, every idea into that submission to the Word of God. Uh, look at everything through that filter of the Word of God and, and, and through His love and let His Word change the way we speak. Let His Word change. That's why it talks about um, not only thinking about everything that's good, but as we speak, to only speak words that encourage that edify and uplift. Uh, that's why the scripture will say things like, do everything without arguing and complaining. There, there is so much power, negative power, that's released by arguing and complaining. There, there's so much negative